It's time to step into the more that God has for you. This is Eunice Lai, and I would like to welcome you to today's episode of Beyond the Building with Laura Pereno and Debbie Kiever of the Beyond Women's Conference. Welcome to today's episode of Beyond the Building. We are excited for this particular podcast as we are continuing our journey with peaches through the month of August. My name is Laura Pereno, and I'm with Debbie Kiever today. And we have had such a good time uh, journeying with you through this hot, hot month where the heat is being turned up uh, in many of our lives, certainly in the peaches that we've been talking about as they make their journey into the canning process. And as we have gone on our journey, uh, we've certainly seen the heat being turned up in David's life as well. So I've had so much fun really reflecting on my own life, and I hope you have too as you've, as you've uh, gone through this with us, but really reflecting on my own life and all of the lessons and the takeaways that are so practical and relevant to the situations that we find ourselves in today. One of the fun things we're doing in this season is we have a free gift for you. Uh, Debbie and her mom can peaches every year. We have their recipe and we are going to write that recipe up. It is going to be available for you if you send us an email. We would love to share with you so that you can experience the joy of canning as well. But the email address is beyondwomensconference at gmail.com. If you just drop us an email, we would love to share that with you. If you happen to make them or you make anything that has to do with the peach, or hey, if you find a really good peach and you're just slicing it up and eating it raw, send us a picture because this is peach season. And I know sometimes there's not enough time to do all the other things we want to do. But we really would love to hear from you in this season about peaches. Today, we continue our journey uh, as we have been going through these steps, we've talked a lot about canning peaches, and we are in the fourth step today. So Deb's going to review where we've been and, and where we are going today. It's actually exciting because probably as you're listening, this is the week that mom and I will be canning peaches. And so keep your eyes peeled because we're going to attempt to make a short video of us making our peaches together, uh, just highlighting uh, each of these five steps. The five steps that we've been talking about. Um, start with specifically picking peaches for canning. There are some that are better for canning than others, and we'll be able to show you what those are. We started with that week one. Week two, we talked about that season of waiting where you take your peaches and you put them in the other room to allow them to have a couple days to soften. Remember, if you try to deal with your peaches right off the bat, they're too hard. And not only are they not sweet enough, but they also cause your hand to cramp and then everybody's miserable. The third week that we talked about peaches, these wonderful softened sweet peaches that are all ready for the processing are dunked into water for 30 seconds in the process called blanching. And that allowed the skin to remove uh, very easily. We also started looking for areas that were bruised. They're brown and they, it's not that they taste uh, bad, it's just that they don't look really good in your can of bright orange and yellow, a little bit of pink <laughs> peaches, and then there's some brown spots that were bruised. We want to cut them out. Today, we're going to be focusing on step four, which is where you slice your peaches and you mix a syrup up that is a combination of water and sugar and something called fruit fresh. And we place them into the jars and we put these lids on in a very, very careful um there's, there's some order to how you do this, and you cannot shortchange or sidestep this, or you will not have um, 30 cans of peaches. You will have 
probably 30 pounds of peaches you have to eat by two days. So <laughs> this is a really important step. And then finally, this will be next week's podcast. The cans are boiled and then we let them cool and we clean them off and we put them on the shelf for a really cold winter day. So that's kind of an overview of where we've been, what we're doing today and where we're going tomorrow or next week. I love the I love the process here and I love what you said right there in the middle that you can't skip one step of the process. Nope. And we've seen that in David's life and I know we see it in our own lives as well. When God is shaping us, calling us, uh, dealing with us, making us more and more into his image, every single step of the process is for a purpose. And some of the steps that we've been through as we've talked about David, you know, they didn't feel so good. And we've talked about the peaches. They had a long time of waiting. Waiting sometimes does not feel so good. Usually it doesn't. Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. And then we've talked about, you know, they got cut and the bruises were cut out of them. Man, nobody likes that, right? Nobody likes that season of pruning, except for the fact that you know there's a joy set before you. But in the moment when the heat is turned up, it just doesn't feel good. But I think it's important to realize that our life is not just all times of cutting. Our life is not all just times of waiting and that God does give us specific moments where we come out of those times and and we experience uh, what we would call or feel like is victory. You know, we can look at our Christian journey and we can say that everything is for a purpose. So really it's a victory to come through those times trusting in God, even in those hard times. So victory really crosses the board because we live a victorious life in Jesus. But as far as times where life is going the way that we are expecting it to, or the way we are anticipating it to under the Lord's direction, at those times when we're experiencing that sort of victory, uh, maybe it's a little bit like what the peach is going through today. Peaches in the can or the jar, and a sweet, sweet syrup is being poured over the peaches. You know, this peach has been through the ringer up until this time, and now it's ready to experience that sweet syrup, you know, coming into its life. It's important to recognize those seasons of victory, but it's also very important that we walk according to the Word of God in those times, just as importantly as it is that we walk according to the word of God in the other times. Laura, the sweet sauce that you're talking about, the syrup, I mean, I would almost call it the secret sauce. You know, <laughs> that when people when people eat our peaches, they don't just eat the peach, they slurp the sauce. I mean, it's really, <laughs> the whole package is wonderful. Yep. But what I do is I take another pot and I mix water and uh, sugar, because who doesn't love sugar, mm-hmm. and something called fruit fresh. Now, what the way Fruit Fresh works is it contains citric acid, and that acid will keep fruit to stay will stay fresh, not brown, for up to eight hours. Now, certainly these canned peaches they last longer than eight hours, right? They can last several years and still remain nice and fresh, but because we get them all sealed up in the jar. But I had a I had a time one year where I had to keep mixing more syrup as I'm making these peaches. I had I run out and I had to make more. I forgot to add fruit fresh for about a third of the peaches. Oh no. Now, I didn't notice it at the time, right? Because the the water and the sugar looks the same even mm. when you whether you put fruit fresh in there or not, it looks the same. But afterwards, after we had all the everything was sealed and ready to put away, 
I noticed that the fruit fresh had gotten behind something on my counter and I went, oh no, mom. Oh no, I think I haven't been putting fruit fresh in for the last two hours. <laughs> and she looked at me because at this point you're exhausted. Yes. And we're like, we don't even know which of these jars don't have the fruit fresh. And uh, she said, well, time will tell. That was her simple answer. Time will tell because wow. the browning is not going to happen overnight. And so even within the sealed jar, the peaches that were in those last two hours of processing, when I pulled them out in the winter months, I'm pulling them out and trying to make excuses to my family <laughs> why this happened. And trust me, the brown floating peaches are really going to taste sweet. <laughs> and they're looking at me like I'm lying. And I certainly could never give them as gifts and share them. Right. Because they're not, they don't look appetizing. Right. So it's, when we talk about there are certain steps that you can't omit the fruit fresh is one of them it's that preservative it's that thing wow. that makes the freshness and the beauty last and you can't shortchange it i learned wow. that the hard way and so this what i've done since then is i keep the fruit fresh right next to the pot that's cooking so i don't lose it but again you want to you want to follow follow the rules right follow the way it's designed to work and and you're guaranteed to have this be something that's sweet that's lasting for even passing to different generations, you can hand off these gifts. Don't mm. skip a step. Mm. You know, I, I was wondering as you said that or you shared that, Deb, that probably was not the first time you had ever made peaches. No, no. I let my guard down, I think, a little bit. You know, so, oh, I've got this. I know what I'm doing. Exactly. So how important is it? Is it? And I'm sure as our listeners heard you tell that story, you know, our minds go all over the place with you speaking that. Uh, putting that to our own lives that we're going to talk about here. But it's so interesting that that wasn't your first experience making peaches. It's it's so important that every step of our journey, no matter how long we've been a believer or how many times we've walked the right path, it's so crucial to make sure that everything that is supposed to go into the jar goes into the jar. Mm -hmm. And everything that is supposed to be a part of our lives, according to what God has told us in his word, has to be part of our lives. And like you just said, we can't let our guard down. You know, when I first started doing this on my own, right, when my I was married, and I think there was a year or so I did I made the peaches by myself, but I followed mom's instructions to the mm. letter. Like mm. I didn't, I didn't miss anything. And I, I think that over time you start to get a little bit sure of yourself and that's the dangerous, that's the dangerous part. I mean, think about when you first accepted Christ as your savior and you really put a lot of emphasis on, God, I want to just honor you and do everything right. And I'm, I'm just kind of really pursuing that relationship with gusto. And over time, you have to be careful not to get lackadaisical about it. You know, it's not that it's not this rules game about God's not going to love you if you don't follow the rules, but you're not going to grow if you just start to go out on a tangent and do it your own way. That's right. You know, we need to not deviate from the word of God, what he has outlined for us, for the path of blessing, the right choices, stick to what the word says and not it's almost like not taking a devotional or a podcast, right? Mm. It can never replace the Word That's of right. God. So That's stick right. to the recipe, right? Stick That's to the right. recipe. <laughs> That's right. Well, David's life is, is certainly an example of so many, so many great stories and things for us to apply to our lives. And so as we have gone, you know, back to the book, back to the Bible, to even think about this uh, part in the canning process, 
David had something that kept his life preserved. You know, we're going to look at that today. But in this sweet season, it was important for him to hold on to what God had said and who God had created him to be and the call that God had on his life and to do it in a way that honored the Lord. Uh, at this time in David's story that we're going to look at today, David was on the throne. You know, we talked earlier about the fact that it took many, many years to get David to the throne. At this point, he is on the throne. And so he is in that call that God has for his life. But at the same time, he recognized that the Ark of the Covenant, which if you have done a Bible study or you've studied the word, the Ark of the Covenant was the place where the presence of God dwelt, that the Ark of the Covenant was not in at home in Jerusalem like David was. And so because David was a man after God's own heart and because David was a worshiper, right, he longed to be in the presence of God. His big desire was to have the ark back where it belonged. And really, even if you look further at it, he wanted to actually build the house where the ark would sit. But the ark was not even back in Jerusalem yet where it belonged. And it was such a, a quest for David, such a desire in his heart. You know, while he desired things for his people that he ruled over, he desired that the ark of the presence, the presence of God, I'm sorry, would be in the middle of the camp. And so through a journey, uh, we find in 2 Samuel 16, that I'm sorry, 2 Samuel 6, that the ark of the covenant is returned back to Jerusalem. And, and you can almost imagine, and I don't know exactly what it looks like, and perhaps it says in the word, I just didn't read it, what, how David expressed emotion, you know, when he became the king. But when the Ark of the Covenant was restored back to the present, where it needed to be, and the presence of God was brought back to the middle of Jerusalem, man, we know the story, David danced, right? The Bible says, wearing a linen ephod, which is a whole story there too, David danced before the Lord with all his might. While he and all Israel were bringing up the ark of the Lord with shouts and the sounds of the trumpets. If we were just to really dig into that scripture more, he's basically dancing, leaping, whirling. If you look at that word for dance in, in, the, uh, in the original language, it's not a, a quiet, still dance. And wearing a linen ephod means that he was unashamed of even what he was wearing. So he was all in with worship because the ark was brought back into the right place. Worship was the secret sauce mm -hmm. that David had in the jar after the peaches had been cut and he was ready to be what God called him to be. Worship was what preserved him in the wilderness. Worship is what formed him in the, in the fields before he is even called. Worship was the secret sauce. He was so consistent. How how hard is it for us to worship in the hard places? Mm -hmm. You know, it's very easy when we're at church and things are good, when God is answering prayers, when there's victories, when there's healings, we worship. But, you know, I think of David, his act of worship in the cave was obedience. Yes. And in the hard places of our lives, our obedience is our act of worship. Yep. It's not necessarily coming from a heart that goes, I'm overwhelmed, God, by the sweetness of this moment. It's God, I worship you for who you are. Yep. And that was what David used to strengthen himself in the Lord. Like we talked about last podcast, when everything else was being stripped away, he continued to be obedient. And that was his preservative. Yep. So here we is. I would love to have seen him dance. 
Absolutely. around <laughs> like that. I would love to see you dance that way. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, it's so true. David was a worshiper all the way through the word. You know, he really, he is known as a worshiper. He wrote the Psalms. So many of the songs that we worship to now were oh, sure. actually written by David, the worshiper in some of these seasons. So David, that was the, the one thing as I was reflecting back on his life, what would be the sweet that was in David's life on a consistent basis. And it really was worship throughout his whole life. When, uh, when trials were coming against him, I love the picture really of his hands because mm -hmm. you know, when we're going through a trial, sometimes we walk in a, in a defeated manner, or our hands are down, they're at our side. Maybe we're a little slumped over all of the seasons where David's hands could have been down. He could have been slumped over. And it, the Bible does say he was discouraged. If he was in that position, God was working all of those seasons of hands down or maybe discouragement to become a season where in Second Samuel 6, those hands were going to be raised in worship and dancing and whirling. I think it's important for us in our hard times too, to recognize that it's not the end of the story, right? And if we can keep our eyes, maybe similar to what we said last time, if we can keep our eyes on what's ahead of us and the prize that God set before us in Jesus, our hands do go up just a little bit easier and we can worship uh, unashamedly just like, just like David danced. It's pretty amazing. It is. So, you know, he could have been, and this is true for all of us, like he could have been the king on the throne and God would have fulfilled his promise to him and David would have ruled with justice and, and mercy the way that, that God wanted him to rule. And he would have done a really good job. But there was something that set him apart when he was a worshiper of God doing what he was called to do. You know, all of us in all of our journeys, I used to be an elementary school teacher. I could have been a really good teacher and taught everybody how to read or write. But there's a difference when you do what you are called to do as a worshiper. It just puts a different atmosphere in the room. You know, it, it, it changes the environment. It changes your mind. It changes your perspective. Everything that we do, we can do very well. But when we add that aspect of being a true worshiper in spirit and truth of God, it is going to change the environment where we are. It's going to change who we are. And we're going to do what we're called to do in the manner that we're called to do it. It doesn't matter what your career would be. You know, I, yep. I th I'm thinking back to, well, I wasn't a school teacher. I was a physical therapist and I worked amongst many, many excellent therapists the ones that really stood out to me were ones who uh, did their job with great enthusiasm, you know, because they were excited to be there. Mm -hmm. But take it a notch higher. I worked with some physical therapists who really loved Jesus. Mm. And there was this uh, extra amount of compassion yes. that I saw. I saw this desire to pray uh, with me or with patients. And this is over 30 years. And, and I feel like that's... That's a secret sauce to help you endure hard times uh, yes. in, a, in a hard profession. Yes. And that made a big difference. Yes, absolutely. I've experienced that too. Even, even in being a school teacher, I worked in a classroom where there were quite a few other adults with me. And it was just, you knew when you walked in the room, sometimes it's just giving each other an eye across the room. I've got you. I'm praying for you. Mm -hmm. uh, there is something... We're worshiping together in this moment, even if it's a challenging time. That's right. So worship was really the one thing that David added to his journey that made it that much sweeter. And it, again, key, key point here is in the victory, it's so important 
to keep ourselves on the path of worship, true worship with God as we go on this journey. So on our journey with the peaches right now, the peaches have been cut. They've been mixed up with the, the sweet, sweet syrup. They are placed into the jars and the lids are applied. Almost. They're almost applied. This uh, is, a, yeah, this is probably, well, every step I'm going to say is really critical and important. So now this <laughs> new, my new opinion of the most important, this is actually the one that will save you repeating the next whole step many times. So you've got all the peaches and the juice in the, in the jar and there's some, you know, you're using a funnel, but let's just face it. Syrup is syrup. It gets everywhere. And so the rim, the top rim of your glass jar needs to be super clean at this point. So I take a brand new um, paper towel and I put a lot of pressure and I clean the top rim and then I lay down the little lid that's ultimately going to be the vacuum sealed to the top of the jar and there's a twisty lid that you put on top on top of that. If you do not take your time to clean that rim if there's any little bit of sauce, if there's any little bit of peach that's still sticking there, then when it comes out and the, the vacuum seal is supposed to suction that seal down, it's not going to happen. And you have two options. One was you didn't take care to really clean the top of the jar or in the heat, picture all, like there's seven jars in bubbling, boiling water the inside contents of the jars are getting superheated mm. and when things heat they tend to bubble if there's a little bit of bubbling of this sauce that maybe you filled the jar a little too high it creeps out into the rim mm. and and you're gonna have to you're gonna find that there is no that that lid's not gonna suction down and then you have to take off this lid clean it clean the whole rim again and repeat the process so what happens is if you are careless about oh, I'll just clean my it looks pretty good it's just got a little bit of sauce it's not a big deal it's clear nobody yeah. will see it yeah. well, that, that jar is gonna feel it and it's not gonna work for you I I learned that also the hard way right because I tend to rush through things and I, I rushed through that process and I had to re I had to spend another half hour waiting for these things to boil because I did not take my time on the front end so I started thinking about my own life, right? When I want God to really uh, speak to me in the midst of the heat times, in the midst of the pressure, it's like the, the bad attitudes and the wrong belief system start to bubble up. You know, like the real ugly inside of me starts coming out. Mm -hmm. And God's saying, let's clean it. It's almost like bubble out, clean it. Let's repent. Yes. Let's confess it. Repent. Let's make a change. Let's wipe it clean. Have you ever tried to clean something most of the way? You know, yeah. like, God, I'm going to ask for forgiveness for these five things. I know yeah. there were six things I did that were wrong, but right. you get the idea. And I leave right. that sixth thing there. I will be revisiting this heat again. Yeah. I will be revisiting the pressure because he loves me. He will not allow that to stay. My mom went through breast cancer surgery a number of years ago. And, you know, our prayer was when they went in for the surgery for the lumpectomy, um, God, get all of it. Mm, get all of yes, it. And yes. she... She came back and, and I, shoot, I had melanoma surgery on my face two years ago this time. Get all of it. What do you do? Leave two melanoma cells? That's right. That's Leave a little right. bit of breast cancer cells in there. Go, well, that's close enough. That's right. You know, God's like, no little bit of sin is okay to leave there. So as he exposes it, 
repent and ask God for forgiveness, you know, like admit to him it's wrong. Be completely clean of what's in front of you so that when you, um, when you go to the, to the time of sealing the work that God's done in your life, it actually takes, you know, we put these, we put these little jars out on the, the counter, right? And part of the fun, I mean, when you're doing peaches all day long, you start looking at weird things as fun, but mom and I (laughs) get all excited when we hear this popping sound Mm. and the popping is as the vacuum seal is sucking in it's the air, right? It's sucking mm. down as it cools. You hear a pop on the top of the jar, and there's a little button that goes, like, becomes um, concave. It goes in, mm-hmm. and that knows, you know, the, the jar is sealed. And there's always, like, that one bugger jar that is just hard to seal. Mm-hmm. And even if you keep, you know, trying to clean it, you, you still may be eating peaches that night, you know, with mm. one jar. But it's that idea that, God, you're teaching things in the fire. You're teaching me things in the times of pressure. And when you reveal by your Holy Spirit areas of sin, I am committed to, to dealing with it. I'm not going to turn my head. It will not go away. And it will prevent me from truly learning what you're trying to teach me. And then you can count on the fact that I'm going back into the heat back into the fire again to learn it again. Why don't we just learn it the first time? Right. right. Just do it the first time. Right. Well, we see all through the scripture that we are not alone. That's right. right. Because humankind, we do not learn the first time. No. God is so gracious, and that's that's God's grace and mercy for us, that we don't learn the first time or the second time or the third time, and we are constantly in that process of sanctification or you know being made holy. Uh, until the day that Jesus returns and, and takes us to himself. So I do have to ask you just a curious question. How many hours does it take you from start to finish with your canning process? Well, now that we blanch them, that's, <laughs> that cuts <laughs> off about 12 hours. <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> it just felt like 12 hours when you had right. to peel each one by right. hand with right. those little metal peelers. Remember the little ones when oh, we were growing up? I have one. Oh, anyhow. We, mom and I probably buy three or four half bushels and I'm, we'd also do applesauce too. So I'm trying to remember how many jars we might, we end up probably with, oh, maybe 24 jars each or something like that. So it, we start at eight in the morning. We might be done by three, Wow. Wow. two or three. I mean, it's, and then also you're taking a lunch break, but yes, yeah, yeah. Honestly, if we weren't blanching them, it would be past dinner time. So, but it, and it also it takes less time if you do it right. That's right. That's right. No, I find that interesting. I just nothing that is of value is a is a quick process. No, nothing no. that is of value is a quick process. You can take a little break, but you know you're going it's, right back in to, to get done what needs to be done. It's called liquid gold for a reason, and you yeah, don't exactly. You know, would be really hard if God. Oh gosh, maybe I'm just saying this. I'm afraid to say it. If God yeah. asked me to give um, peaches to an enemy. <laughs> You know, <laughs> that would be really hard. It's coming. Oh, my. <laughs> well, back to the life of David. Um, you know, just like what, what we just said, anything that's of value is is not always easy. And sometimes the not easy in our life is because of circumstances that come upon us, situations that happen. I mean, really what we're going through right now with a, a pandemic, um, other people, the consequence of other people's sins, there are times when things don't go right and things take longer because of other people's sins or consequences naturally for us. But there are times, and really it goes right back to what Debbie just said about wiping the jar and getting all of the the 
stuff that doesn't belong on the lid before the seal or the, the top of the jar before that seal goes on. There are times in our lives um, where we aren't walking according to the way that God has called us to walk. Times in our lives where we haven't cleaned up the places that need to be cleaned up or we haven't allowed the Lord, the Holy Spirit to come in and, and convict and, and then followed in that conviction. And so we find ourselves a lot like maybe that one can of or that one jar of peaches you were talking about, the one that's being the stickler because things weren't cleaned up the way they needed to be. And so David, we know David's story. He, you know, he, he's a worshiper. He's coming out of this great place and there's a battle going on in, in 2 Samuel 11. And David, the king, uh, doesn't go out into the battle. He stays home and at home he goes and he sees uh, Bathsheba, his neighbor, who is uh, taking a bath on the roof. And she's married. Means- He's married. She's married to Uriah, one of David's warriors. And here we find, um, you know, David just in, in a bad place. And one thing led to the next. And we know the story. He ends up um, having Uriah killed on the battlefield. He ends up having an affair with Bathsheba. Bathsheba gets pregnant and lies are covering the whole thing. I mean, it's just a great, big, messy, ugly story. <laughs> because David really took his eyes off the Lord and didn't clean up the things that led him to where he was supposed to be. He wasn't where he was supposed to be. As right. as the king, as the, the leader, he should have been in battle. David was a warrior. Yep. And and those men looked to him to lead and instead he stayed behind in Jerusalem. So just the mere fact that he wasn't where God wanted him to be put him in a place of temptation that he could have avoided. So how many times, how many times are we not right where God wants us to be? And now we're wondering, why am I struggling so much? You're not where you're supposed to be. Yep. Yep. Deb, it goes right back to your five W's that we talk about so often, right? Mm-hmm. And it's, it's one of those things. Are we where we're supposed to be in different places? I love the fact also that there's a six W today, right? And that's worship. And we talked at the beginning of this episode about the fact that David was a, a true worshiper. He had a heart for worship and he worshiped obediently and he kept his eyes on, on the one he was to worship. But what we find here and we can find in our lives too is it's very easy to worship other things and exalt them or people above our worship of God. And so David sadly made a choice being in the wrong place. His guard was down in the wrong place. And instead of worshiping the one who created him, he started to worship a created being, right? Mm -hmm. And when our worship is misplaced, when our worship is taken off of where it is supposed to be and put onto anything else, a good thing, a bad thing, whatever it might be, a sin, whatever, it is going to make us go astray. And so David went astray with what he he lied, he dealt with murder, you know, he had an affair. There were all of these different things that David was doing because his worship was misplaced. But God in his grace, and this is really just, this is the the nature of God to us, even when our worship is misplaced, right? He wants to get in there and he is going to allow every season that we go through, the good, the bad, and the ugly, he is going to allow that to be a place 
where something else is exposed and the paper towel comes out and one more thing is taken off of the lid that is dirty. For sure. It's not like he's angry. Right. He's angry at the sin. He didn't stop loving David. But because he is a just God, he had to fulfill consequences to David's choices. You know, it's like yep. for, <laughs> for me, when I'm like dealing with the jars, um, I really have no one to blame but myself. <laughs> and I just need to own it and I need mm -hmm. to reclean things, right? But the consequences that I have now delayed being done for at least another half hour, at least. Yep. You know, it's not the end of the world, but it's 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 a half hour I probably had planned to do something else. That's right. And so God didn't God didn't hate David. He didn't he didn't in anger, you know, react to him, but he's a just God. He just couldn't let it couldn't let him get away with it. That's right. And you can even look at, at we'll, we'll talk in a second about how God handled it, but even just looking at the fact that even in David's dark, disobedient places, there's still the mercy and grace of God because he started exposing to David the dark places. Mm -hmm. Like God in his mercy and grace, even in those times where we are being dealt with, it's his mercy and grace that are saying, I'm only allowing you to go through this process because I have a, a plan to take everything out of you that does not belong. You know, it's almost like the things that were cut away in the bruising process, right? The, all the bruises that were cut away. Is there still some other stuff there that rises to the surface? And so the Lord is just, he has a purpose and a plan for David that is not finished yet. And he wants his servant to be following him with his whole heart. And so he sends a prophet, Nathan, to David. I think this is just right there, grace and mercy. I mean, there's a whole lot of ways God can get our attention. He can do anything he wants, right? He can send anybody or anything he wants. Look what happened with Jonah, right? It was a whale, and then he got spit out. Instead, David was sent a prophet, right? A gracious prophet, Nathan, went in, and he tells the story uh, that really just touches David's heart about something that was stolen, right, that wasn't didn't belong to somebody. David, um, you know, with his feelings of justice, just starts to understand that whoever was the offender is it was incorrect in this and, and needs to be dealt with until Nathan says, well, David, like that's a picture of you, right? Mm -hmm. And and David goes through some major, major heartbreaking consequences. You know, he loses, the baby dies, um, hard times fell. It was hard, he grieved, but when the grieving was over, he rose up, he got back on his feet and he started, you know, at some point here to write again, right? In Psalm 51, he records a prayer that really goes right back to this incident with Bathsheba. And it says, create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit in me. Do not cast me from your presence or take your Holy Spirit from me. Deb, what I find amazing about that word is not only is David just saying, I've been through the fire, I've been sliced, I've had the bruises cut out, I'm in a time of victory, there's sweet stuff all around me, I'm in this jar, it's not enough, God. In this sweet time, would you please still continue to clean me up, make me like you, and look at his main purpose. This takes us right back to the very first story that we talked about in this episode. He says, don't cast me from your presence or take your Holy Spirit from me. What was David's main aim in his uh, kingship? 
It was to bring God's presence back to the people, to bring God's presence back to the place where it rightfully belonged. And so even in this time when he's fallen, he's saying, God, fix me up, clean me up. Like I'm surrendering to the work that you would do in my life. And your presence is a critical piece. So don't take your presence from me. That's what he wanted more than anything else was to have the Holy Spirit. Sometimes I feel like in my life, when I fall away from what I'm supposed to be doing or, or should have done, it's easy to, to look at the consequences around me and start to ask that the consequences be fixed. You know, I'm sorry, Lord, for what I did. So would you please make X, Y, and Z right again? I mean, that could have been his prayer beforehand. I'm sorry, would you please let this, this child live, right? But his true cry of his heart was, I'm sorry, Lord, make me right and don't take your Holy Spirit away from me. That was the key. That is the key cry of the heart of a worshiper. That regardless of what we go through, we don't want to lose his presence. We don't want to walk out of his presence. And we don't want to walk out from what the Holy Spirit has for us to do. That is the critical piece. It's what sets us apart, right? Having the Holy Spirit. It's what sets us apart. And we don't want to walk away from what God has. I love the fact that even in his repentance, he goes back to the fact that I got the ark here, God. Now I need your presence. That's right. You know, I think of there were seasons in my life where I felt like I was following rules. If mm -hmm. I follow these Christian rules, then I will experience God's presence. And really all I found was I was very good at keeping rules. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's very different than experiencing that he's just with me, that he loves me deeply. And when, once you taste that, right, once you taste that experience with him, you don't want to settle for something else. Now, the Kievers and my, the cons, my mom and dad, we are peach snobs, right? So when we, <laughs> yeah. we go to somebody's house and they open a, a can of peaches, like from the yeah, store, yeah. we smile, right? We don't say anything, but my eyeballs are saying to my mom's eyeballs, yeah, these are not the same. You yeah. Know? Because we've tasted what it can be like. And exactly. so once you really taste God's presence, which David did, mm -hmm. everything else pales in comparison. Mm -hmm. And what I appreciate about him was he lived in a, a mindset of, God, I, I want, it's not that he was perfect, but I don't want to slide back yep. into old ways of, of yep. living, old ways of thinking. And when he did, he was much quicker to correct it. Yep. Right. The more you taste God's presence, the more you don't want to settle for his lack of presence. That's and right. you can tell because in his presence, there is fullness of joy. Amen. So Amen. when you start noticing that there's less joy and more irritation, then chances are your eyes have shifted off of the one that you were worshiping. That's right. Or there's something in your life that is not aligned up with the way God wants you to be living, which would be sinful. And so David in Psalm 139, verse 23, he's like, God, search me and know mm. my heart. Test me and know if I have any anxious thoughts. You put that piggyback with Psalm 5110, like you just read about creating me a clean heart. His daily prayer was, God, I want to be in smack dab in the middle of your presence. Absolutely. So you cannot be there and be worshiping somebody else. Or something Absolutely. else, any anything that draws your attention away from the Father. You can't be in his presence 
purely like like just enjoying it when there's sin in your life you you are still a child of god you are still deeply loved by him but the the harmony in that relationship is is hindered because mm -hmm. of sin god will not associate with sin so there's this almost like friction there's like static on the line or in today's world there's like your wi-fi is going in and out right it's not that you're not connected it's just not uh, it's you're not hearing him as well yep. and so david had gotten so used to being able to hear god mm. that he could tell when something was off and and on those times where he was really sticking his head in the sand and making excuses right with Bathsheba, God, because of that relationship that he had with him, sent a Nathan instead of a big, nasty rule follower that was mm -hmm. not going to mm -hmm. handle David with grace. Mm -hmm. So my the prayer for our hearts is saying, God, as I wake up today and I go about my day, creating me a clean heart, is there anything before I start interacting with other people Lord, that's that's harboring judgment or unforgiveness. Any area of my life that that I need to step into obedience. Have you asked me to do something and that I've resisted? You know, there's something about disobedience with, with God, worship being obedience. When God tells you to do something, if you delay being obedient to him, then you are partially obeying. Partially. And if he asks you to do something and you are just saying, I'm not going to do it, that's full disobedience. You know, it's just, it's, you're not following through and you're going to have consequences from that. There's sometimes the timing when God gives us instruction is because he's got some other things lined up and we miss what he has, Yep. you know, because we've just chosen to worship our opinion, our timing, our, what makes sense to us as we place it at a higher position than what he says. Yep. And so David yep. really lived this. He lived this and he got better. He got better as he went, even to the end of his life. You know, he, he made some mistakes at the end of his life and still came back to a place of repentance. Absolutely. You know, David, we all have a choice every step of the way. And even when Nathan approached David with glory, David had a choice. He could submit to the sovereignty of God and submit to the correction of God, or he could go his own way, continue to go his own way. You know, we still have a choice even in that time of correction, but if we don't submit to the correction and the authority of God in these times when we do slip and fall or willfully sin, boy, we are setting ourselves up for another failure that we can't see ahead. You've said a couple of times how this is one of the most critical steps in canning peaches. And I believe that how we receive correction, instruction, how we respond when the Lord points out things that need to be changed. So is, true. Is also one of the most critical steps that we have in our journey as believers, um, that we would have hearts that are yielded to him and and repentant hearts who want to who are seeking after him and wanting to do what he has for us to do the whole history of the kingdom of israel you know or david's kingship in israel you know could have changed on that one that one moment instead he turned his heart back to god and and the history of you know his kingdom and, and his children after them you know the kingdom what kept going it was just a, it's a beautiful thing our hearts need to be responsive when 
the Lord in love and grace points things out. No wonder God just esteems a humble spirit. Amen. Right? And opposes the proud. Yep. Because the proud heart resists the correction of God. Absolutely. So a humble heart. That's truly what David David had. Well, this has been a phenomenal um, episode, uh, Laura, as we've been talking about this, because truly this is probably the most important step, the cleaning uh, of the the peach rim and and our hearts. But I got a secret for you. Um, Next week is our final week, and I think that is one of the most important... (laughs) Parts of the process. Of course you too. do. Of course you do. They're all the most important. They're all the most important. It's kind of like a grandmother says, "You are all my yes, favorite," right? Absolutely. But no, seriously, this has been such a valuable a reminder of that in the sweet times, the the victory times. Don't forget the lessons that you learned in the fire. Be a worshipper. Be a worshipper when things are good. Be a worshipper when things are hard. And uh, taking a look at David, right? He's got. He may have been in place in that royal position but he continues to have more things that he had to learn all the way up until the time that god brought him home so we hope you've enjoyed today's podcast uh, laura and i are so grateful that you're part of us um this beyond the building uh podcast world that's constantly growing thanks to you guys um, come back next week and we're going to be taking a look at the final step of the peaches Um, At that point, Mom and I actually should be finished our peaches, our canning for the year, and uh, unstickified our kitchen. But next week is actually um, another, it's another lesson on some cleaning. It's another important step on cleaning jars and about how you're going to be able to use what God has taught you in the midst of the fire and the pressure and to be a blessing to all those around you not only in the generation right now, but generations to come. So thanks so much for joining us today. It's been fun. Hope you've learned some things while you've laughed a little bit. I know that we have. (laughs) So thanks for joining us. We look forward to doing this again next week. God bless you guys. Bye-bye. We believe that God will use what was shared to encourage you as you step into the more that he has prepared for you today. Thank you for joining us. Until next time, remember, you were created for more. 